Hey guys, welcome back to the Woolad Podcast Season 4. How good is that? I'm stoked to be bringing you another season and I do genuinely think that this season is going to be the best season yet. I also have some huge news for the podcast as we have a new major sponsor on board and I know that you're all going to be pumped with this one. To give you a backstory on it, as many of you will know that I've been looking into making a Waterlad beer for well over a year now as I know a huge majority of you guys listening to this do love a cold one. And after doing all my research on what your favourite beers were and what sort of taste you like, there were two very clear winners, Spates Ultra followed by Spates. It was crazy how much these two beers dominated my polls. So I thought, what's the point of trying to recreate the perfect beer when it already exists? So I'm very proud to announce that this year's season will be the Spates Waterlad podcast I think it's a perfect fit. I do love all their messaging around checking in on your mates. As as you would have heard through the last three seasons, we all know how important that is. And simply put, it is the best beer on the market. So cheers to our mates from Spates for sponsoring this episode and Waterlad Season 4. Let's get to it. Okay. Oh. Ah, what a lad and what a guest I have to start. What a lad season four. He's a man I've been hoping to get on this podcast from pretty much the very start as he's one of the most incredible stories in sport. He was an absolute beast on the field during his time playing for Southland, Auckland, the Hurricanes where he won the title and of course Worcester Warriors. But on the 4th of January 2020, his life drastically changed as he suffered a neck injury where he was told he may never walk again. But they obviously didn't know what kind of warrior they were talking to as they proved the medics wrong very, very quick. And on top of all that, he is one of the most genuine down-to-earth lads you will ever meet. He is literally one of the greats. It is Michael Fatialofa. Welcome, mate. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Sorry for leaving you on scene for about a year. (laughs) Got around to it. Happy to be here. Thanks, bro. Mate, you were saving up for that mic, obviously, because that is the best quality sound I've ever heard on the other end of a podcast. I see. I got you, bro. <laughs> what a lad fan from way back. <laughs> Day one. Uh, but, mate, can't wait to um, talk to you and uh, sort of catch up about how the last couple of years have been from you and um, hear it all from your side of the fence. Nah, let's get into it, eh? But how you been, bro? Like, you're looking good, looking strong. Yeah, no, not too bad. Been living here in uh, the Cook Islands for a year and a half now. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Nice and slow lifestyle. Learning the island ways, husking coconuts and all that. (laughs) Yeah, I was getting, when I first moved over, I was getting exposed. Just growing up in Auckland City, I didn't didn't know anything. So, yeah, (laughs) just, I don't know, my neighbors watching me trying to husk coconuts, laughing. (laughs) Just like, yeah, I couldn't do anything, eh? Yeah. Because they all burn fires and stuff, so you've got to burn everything over here. Just, yeah, it's taken a while to learn all these island ways, but yeah, a bit of a local now, so got it unlocked. And where, where are you living? Is that your house you're in at the moment? Yeah, so my my wife is, is she's Cook Island, so oh, yeah. her family's got a family house over here, and we're just, we're living in it and kind of looking after the land, so... Uh, worked out pretty well, mate. How good! And what what's sort of like an everyday? What's everyday life look like for you at the moment over there? Uh, just up with the roosters. There's 
<laughs> no, that's what it is over here. It's I can hear it. Yeah, roost. yeah, yeah. But they just go all day, eh? <laughs> but yeah, up with the roosters, you know, coffee and brekkie. Then I usually go do some rehab. Yeah, at the gym, the local gym. Just get the body moving because uh, every morning just feel terrible, eh? Mm. Just yeah. So I just have to get my body moving and then yeah, jump in the ocean. That's all good. So yeah, that's that helps a lot. Just swimming every day, and then yeah, I'm just man of leisure after that. Just whatever, <laughs> wherever it takes me, I'll do it. Nice, and yeah. then finish the night with some carver. Yeah, that's a that's a Friday night thing. So <laughs> just me and a few of the got invited to a few of the local carver sessions, and mm. no, it was good to get to know some of the boys on the island. Yeah, no, how good. So where where are you at physically? You mentioned how hard it is for you to sort of wake up and get the body moving, but you're obviously walking around now. I've seen you deadlifting yeah. more than I can, so um, you're, you're pretty <laughs> you're you're getting there, eh? Yeah, it's a spinal cord injury, so I'm still considered uh, what they call an incomplete quadriplegic. So oh, okay. I still have impairment of all, all four limbs. But yeah, just, I don't know, they thought I was going to be in a wheelchair and all that, mm. but somehow managed to walk and yeah, today it's kind of, it's almost like like I've had a stroke. So one side of my body is quite strong and and that kind of carries me, and the left side of my body is kind of drags a bit. It takes a bit more thought to to move, and yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Mm. But walking every day is yeah, it's not too bad. Sometimes it's quite hard, but yeah, I get around all right. And yeah, just the pain. So uh, I have a lot of neuropathic pain because obviously the nerves are all mm. confused. So. Yeah, that's an ongoing thing that I just kind of have to manage. What is that pain like? Is it pretty? Is it pretty painful? Like out of ten? Yeah, because you're so tough. Like, I know. Like a pain, a yeah, five out of ten is ten out of ten for most people. No, nah, it's like it sits around eight twenty four seven a. Eh, and then oh, true. Yeah, so but that's what because it's kind of a hidden hidden disability. You know, if, if you saw me on the street, you'll think um, you know, might have a tight hammy or something yeah. from my limp but yeah dealing with all those kind of unseen things the pain just the so every step pretty much i have to consciously think about every movement yeah so yeah it's quite it's mentally draining and mm. even just yeah the pain is just because it's neuropathic pain is like something that's hard to explain mm. something that i hadn't experienced until until i broke my neck it's kind of, it's like fire and ice, and it's just shooting, like shooting to your toes, shooting to your to your hands. Mm. So yeah, it kind of just feels like, like electric pulses. Yeah, mm. that's I don't know. It's hard to explain, but yeah, yeah, fucking sore, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you are you finding it gradually getting better, or because what it's been what two years since the or coming up three? three years just just three years yeah. uh is it getting better i think i don't know if it's getting better but i've been talking to you know city city at the case because yeah, yeah. he had yeah yeah he so had bad. like pretty very similar injury to me 
And he said the pain never really goes, but you kind of just learn to live and you you get used to it. More resi- You build more resilience. So, yeah, just basically just got to hack it. True. And, and the best thing for you to do is keep walking on it, keep trying to push it. And- yeah. So the... Yeah, the worst thing that for for pain is is the cold oh, yeah. for me. Yeah. So as soon as I get a chill in my body, like I'm gone. Oh, true. So that's why. Yeah, that was that was a big factor in moving to Raro mm. was the warm climate. So when I was when I was back for summer, if you if you want to call it that in New Zealand, <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as I got off the plane, I could hardly walk. Just that cold snap hit me. Oh, true. And yeah, just a bit of a nightmare. So yeah, it's good to just confirm that yeah, this was the right decision for for me. And mm. the priority is like quality of life, and you know, minimizing pain for me, and mm. you know, just yeah, making making life more enjoyable and being able to do more, which which I can do over here because it's yeah, nice and slow. Mm. And so Raro's a long-term place for you to live. You obviously wouldn't want to come back, live in New Zealand with the cold summers. Nah, um, yeah, I reckon I'd in the future I'd, I'd like to, you know, spend a bit of time between the two. But mm. base myself here and kind of pop into New Zealand, pop out. Mm. So yeah, maybe, yeah. 50-50 split, maybe oh, six yeah. months in New Zealand or something like that. But yeah, not really sure yet. Just see how it goes. Just kind of that's that's in the ideal world. Yeah, mate. How good, mate. Good to good to hear. Good to get an insight onto all that. But you know, like always, I do like to start these episodes from the start, so we do get the full picture of life as the legend that you are. So take us back to um, this your sort of childhood. Uh, I knew you grew up. No, you grew up in Auckland. Um, born and raised there. Yeah. What, what was what was your childhood like, mate? We grew. I grew up in uh, Onehunga. Oh yeah, it's kind of like central. And then when I was about ten, parents split up. So me and my mum moved out west. And then yeah, we've been out west ever since. So just yeah, me, my mum, and my brothers. Just yeah, I was the youngest. So oh true. How many brothers did you have? So I got two older brothers. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I was just, I used to get bullied, <laughs> and, then, yeah, and then they they didn't know what they were doing, they were, they were creating a monster. <laughs> yeah, so now nah, I was just, I always, fuck, I used to get bullied so badly from them, eh, just, yeah, 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 so, and even, like, growing up, by my, because my dad was, he was quite hard on me, eh, like, mm. he was a bit of a old school so I remember when I used to like miss a tackle in the game in a, in a rugby game. Yeah. Fuck, this is like I'm talking like under eights or something. Yeah, like I'm about yeah. seven years old. Yeah. Like, he would would detour on the way home to the park with my brothers. Eh. <laughs> and fuck, like my dad used to like because my dad was he was huge. He was like six three, one thirty. Yeah. yeah. And but uh, we just used to go to the park, and then like my brothers, he'll make my brothers run it straight to me. But uh, they're like way older than me. <laughs> and then you know, but uh, we'll stay there until like I, I tackled and like my so they all take turns. You know, the middle brother, my older brother, sure. and then my dad will run at me. Bro, uh, <laughs> that's why. But I hated rugby yeah, until 
but yeah, that was bro, that was some that was traumatic, eh? But <laughs> yeah, so that's why. And he taught me how to tackle and all that. Yeah. So obviously, but his technique is a bit old school. For <laughs> I blame him for all the yellow cards I've received <laughs> over the years, eh? So yeah, we'll just we'll just stay at the park until you know. I'll somehow like one of my brothers will like fake that I tackled them to feel sorry for me. <laughs> we'll be like, yeah, that's enough. Go home now. So yeah, bro, toxic, eh? But nah, yeah. I probably wouldn't be the rugby player I was if I didn't have to. Yeah, I think he was just trying to harden me up. Yeah, well, mate, he definitely did that. Hey? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense with the way you you play throughout your career. But so you obviously didn't didn't really enjoy playing rugby. If if you had the option, you would have you would have not played. Yeah, I didn't really like it just because. Yeah, I was a pretty like I was a gentle, I was a gentle big kid, you know. Mm. But you know, I just kind of got thrown into rugby, and I kind of I learned to love it probably at high school when I you know started to realize shit like a 6'6 six, six and mm. 120 yeah can do some damage yeah so yeah i just started you know enjoying the contact enjoying yeah and i got pretty pretty good which was you know makes you enjoy it more and mm. yeah just started making all the all the team so i just stuck with it yeah mm. mate pretty good pretty humble you were you were a gun um, coming through the grades. I know you did three years at first 15, eh? Uh, won the school title yeah, with yeah. Mount Grammar. So, um, mate, you had you had huge reps on you. Yeah, it was, yeah, the first 15 was, yeah, that was enjoyable at, at Mount Albert Grammar. We had all the boys in that team, like, you know, Willis was there. Oh, lad. Yopu. Oh, all the lads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Willis and Yopo were playing there. And yeah, we had a we had a decent team. We had like Stephen Lawtour was in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Matt McGahn oh, was our true. team. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of a lot, lot of us went on to to play professionally and Yeah, so yeah, Willis kinda was the guy. He took me under his wing when he was he was my senior. So he just yeah, came in as a fifteen year old and Willis showed me the ropes, <laughs> gave me my, bro, that guy was, <laughs> yeah, Willis gave me my first Woodstock, eh, we always talk about it, bro, my first, first 15 party, Willis, big bro me, come to the room, <laughs> I didn't even want to drink, eh, he's like, here, yeah, drink this, horsed, uh, yeah, no, I love Willis. Eh? He's he's been like a big brother to me like, since then. Mm. We played, kind of. We just, I don't know. We always ended up in the same team. Yeah. Played, you know, all our schoolboy. He was always a few years ahead of me, but then mm. ended up playing. He playing in Southland, and he came down at the Canes together. So yeah, yeah pretty close with Willis. He's a he's a lad. Yeah. Did you stay out of travel? Obviously, he's been on the podcast and spoke about sort of all the stuff he was yeah. getting into during his time at school. Did you manage to stay yeah. out of all that, or did he sort of drag you in there when he yeah. got you drinking? <laughs> yeah, Willis was he was he was next level. Eh? It just <laughs> he was kind of not. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen seen some things. Eh? Uh, yeah, I'll let it be until he retires. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Willis was yeah, he was a he was a tough guy. He had a tough upbringing. Yeah, 
And yeah, he just, but he had this real, like, he has, he has a soft side where he, like, he's a real protector. Mm. So he'll, he'll look after, if you're his boy, he'll look after you and he's kind of got you for life. So mm. yeah. But nah, I was, me personally, nah, I was just kind of just struggled with a bit of drinking. Yeah. Yeah, drinking was always, always the poison for me. Mm. And yeah, once I once Willis gave me that wood stuff, it was <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah. And then you did make like New Zealand schools. Is that sort of when you realised that this is probably potentially going to be a gig for you? This is going to be your 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 job. Yeah. So we it was that they used to have the New Zealand under seventeens, and that's kind of when I kind of considered, oh yeah, this might be a pathway. Mm. And then I made schools, and yeah, that was yeah. Most of the boys from our schools team ended up, you know, playing professional mm. in some in some way. But yeah, that was when I started taking it seriously, and really wanted to make it a career. But yeah, yeah. Then I from there I signed I signed down in Southland. Yeah, why'd you go Southland? Yeah, because obviously Auckland would have been wanting you. Yeah, uh, probably yeah, a yeah. Few other provinces as well. Why'd you choose Southland? So, growing up out west Auckland, uh, a lot of the boys like a couple years older than me, you know, gun players. But same as me, they made New Zealand schools or something, and then they went into the Auckland Academy. Mm. And then, you know, just fizzled out or, you know, just just did a kick on. And, you know, it's so easy to fall through the cracks in Auckland. Yeah. Because there's always that next New Zealand schools or New Zealand 20s player coming. And, yeah, a lot of my friends older than me had, had done that, fallen through the cracks. And I just knew like, like I, I would because, yeah, I was, you know, I was still I, I was still a kid and mm. I, I don't know if I had the discipline to you know crack it in Auckland at that at that age when there was so there's so many distractions in Auckland so I thought you know me and my mum actually we thought it'll be better to move somewhere else and yeah so I moved as far far away <laughs> from Auckland <laughs> I've never been to Invercargill in my life and just, that was a culture shock, eh? Yeah, yeah. Right, as far as away from all the distractions yeah, as yeah. possible, yeah. yeah. What was it, what was it like when you got there? Just, most, just a straight culture shock. Yeah. Because I was down there with, uh, you remember Cardiff, Cardiff Vianga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was me and him, we went down together and boy, we were just literally the only brown people in Invercargill, that's what it felt like. So it was... It was just, you know, we could feel people staring at us when we were walking around like, well, bro, these guys aren't from here. But, yeah, it was just, uh, I enjoyed Southland because it taught me, it kind of filled the holes in, the, in my game because mm. I was I was like a, just a big bopper, you know, I could run, run the ball and, and make hits. But down in Southland is, is where I learned you know, how to grind out at 80 mm. and just, you know, just had to add a bit of grit to my game because mm. you have to work, you have to work for everything down, down south. They don't have the talent pool, uh, like, like Auckland. So, you know, their hard work beats talent kind of, kind of place. And mm. yeah, they, 
they're the ones that, yeah, I think they, that's where I learned a lot and realised, you know, rugby's not about that highlight hit or, mm. you know, bumping off someone, which is like what we were, what we used to think was everything yeah. in Auckland. Yeah. You know, just kind of respect the game more and playing next to guys like John Hardy and Tim Boys. Yeah. Like, bro, the, just the battlers of battlers, eh? And yeah. Jason Rutledge. Oh, the workhorses. Yeah, he's, bro, just ins- inspirational, eh? Just mm. on the field of them, just, yeah, they're out of breath, just grunting, yeah. <laughs> just carry on. <laughs> And they just, uh, I don't know, they just, they don't stop those boys. And yeah. yeah, I think I did take a bit away from, you know, just being around guys like that. That's so cool. And you probably fit in off the field too um, down there. They obviously all love their love their piss. So um, yeah. you would have had a few good. Uh... Bro, that was the thing, eh? Because I was, I need, I was like, oh, no, nah, I'm going to make all these dramatic changes in my life. I want to piss you at. But I went sober, eh? Oh, did you? Oh, my first year out of school. I, oh, yeah. I did a season sober. Oh, good on you. Bro, I didn't like, it didn't work for me, eh? Uh, <laughs> I'm not like a drunk drunk but bro I just yeah it took me a few years to kind of get the balance right because yeah if I was I realized when I was too like diligent if I just focused too much on the footy and you know dedicated the life to it yeah I was terrible eh or just yeah and then when I used to have a bit of a balance like you know toxic Tuesday night (laughs) 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 Just you know, let let my hair down now and yeah, again, eh? Yeah. That's what worked for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just you know, getting that balance took me a while. So yeah, but it took it did take a while because you know we were sober and then mm. on it all the time. Then bend bend the season, <laughs> and then you know found your balance. Found a little found the balance. Oh yeah, this is what works for me. And when you found that balance, that's when you uh, got your super contract, right? It was sort of like yeah, four yeah. years later and the Canes came calling. What was that like? No, nah, it was exciting because I was turning into a bit of a Islanders development <laughs> veteran, eh? <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, I hated that, eh? Just having to drive from Invercargill to Dunners. True. And just, uh, you're like, yeah, have a little game and fucking Ashburton or something like <laughs> random town and and you're on your way back to Invercargill, so... Yeah, I was, yeah, I was kind of on the fringes for the, for the Landers for a year for years, mm. and I never really eventuated to anything, and so I moved home to Auckland, and and yeah, then I made the Canes straight away. So, but yeah, I I don't re- I didn't really change much in my in my playing. Mm. I don't know what it was. It was just kind of the right timing, I guess. But I reckon. I don't know, it's a bit, bit out the gate, but I reckon it was, I made Super Rugby when I grew my hair, eh? Really? True. Cause, <laughs> I don't know, because I kind of had the short back and sides for years, yeah. you know, just just looked like every other dude on the field, <laughs> and I started to stand out a bit when I when I grew my, my hair out. And, More noticeable. Yeah, my first, year, my first year with long hair, I made Super Rugby, so. Far out. Bro, there's like, if you think of guys like, Dan Pryor. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah. Like when he had the short back and sides, you know, he was just battling out Northland and all that, Auckland yeah. and then 
dreads started killing it. Uh, I, just, I reckon long it is hair. a thing, eh? Yeah, There's yeah, a few, long hair. Few, yeah, yeah. Like, look at Ma'o and um, Tana. <laughs> <laughs> nah, those guys are... All the legends, <laughs> they, actually. They are, nah, those guys, are, they could be bald and still make it. Nah, I'm talking <laughs> with the fringe guys. Guys on the fringes, grow your hair. Yeah. Right, that's, that's good advice. Anyone who's feeling <laughs> like they're not getting noticed, just grow yeah, your hair. Grow or it out. Just do something yeah. drastic. <laughs> Change your look drastically, and oh, yeah, you'll get a look. Do you move home? Put on the blue and white hoops. Grow your hair out. Get a Hurricanes contract. Move down to Wellington. And then, what was that like for you, going down there and um, being a part of that side? Yeah, so yeah, I went down on the on a Hurricanes wider squad contract. Oh, were you wider? Yeah, yeah, I was a wider wider squad. Oh, true. Yeah, me like. Yeah, all of us ended up playing though, but yeah, we'll get to that. But preseason was, I always struggled with fitness like during my career. Yeah. Not so much on the field, like all that stuff, but more just testing, yo-yos. Mm. I was a bit of a, you know, 15, 16 kind of guy. Mm. And yeah, I always struggled with that, that aspect and you know, it's hard to you know show you can play when your when your numbers aren't looking looking good mm. at that level. So yeah, I remember after a few weeks, me and um, Tong and Bear were like we were we were caking it during <laughs> fitness, and <laughs> we were just honestly we were it was a joke. I just I don't know I couldn't. I was just yeah getting left behind at fitness, but I came. Second to last on the on the surf to peak, <laughs> but I would have been last if it wasn't. Do you remember how we had that young the young academy young academy lock? His name was Louis Lomanu. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, he like did like way worse than me. So you know, no one remembers that. <laughs> I was the last contracted. <laughs> I came last out of the, all the contracted players, and you know. But so shout out to Louis for. <laughs> <laughs> keeping me out of the history books <laughs> but yeah back to me and me and Tong and Bear so um, Boydie called us into the to his office mm. and it was Boydie and Plums and Waddy yeah. and they they just sat us down and just said you know we we brought you guys over here to you know because we thought you guys were ready for Super Rugby and just the past few weeks you haven't been showing showing your worth and you know you don't don't look like you belong here yeah me and Tonga Bear were just we were, low, we were pissed off eh because mm. you know we we knew that we could cut it at Super Rugby but our numbers might not have looked like it but mm. we knew our on-field ability was was at their level so but yeah, this this session, uh, this meeting that we had was um, it was just before a contact session. So you know, me and Bear walked out of their office and we were like pissed off. Like you know, he was like Doko, Doko, oh, that, that's us. Doko showed him. I was like, yeah, that's that's us. And though we went, we went, we went into that field session, eh? And it was contact. Yeah. And. We just looked at each other before the session, like gave each other the nod, and bro, we just started ending like people just taking names of 
all the vets at the Canes <laughs> and yeah, anyone that ran to us, we were just folding them, eh? And after that, um, you know, Wadi came up to me and he was like, yeah, you know, see, because he was the one that actually like, wanted to sign me at the Canes oh, yeah. and I was, he put his name on the line. Sure, yeah. And he came up to me, he's like, yeah, that's, that's why I fucking sign you, boy. He's like, yeah, we need that every, every training. And then, yeah, Boydy and Plums ended up liking me after that. And, yeah. Right, that's crazy, yeah. Ended up getting a yeah. proper crack from just, yeah, folding a few guys at training at a contact session. So, it was good because, you know, they, because I was good in the contact area, they were able to, you know, ignore the 16 yo-yo <laughs> and, you know, just... <laughs> Just give me a crack because I was, I just need like, I just needed an 80 and like 180 blow out and then I'm usually sweet. Mm. Like I can do all the MAS running and, and just have no effect on me. But mm. yeah, so that's why I was happy when, you know, conditioning games started becoming a thing because yeah, yeah they, they were good for me. Mm. But yeah, and then what was it? Hurricane 2016. Yeah, I wasn't. I was, yeah, I only got caught in because it was, it was Brody because oh, he, he had that concussion. Oh, true. So I was there as, as I was there as kind of injury cover. And bro, he was, bro, he was unreal, eh? So once he decided to, to hang up, hang up the boots, you know, that I kind of moved to the fifth string lock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, was getting a few reps now, so. And then Christian Lloyd, um, the lock. Yeah. He he did his, his knee wasn't recovering, so he, he hung up the boots. So then I was, I moved up to, you know, four. <laughs> Climbing <fourth string>. the ranks. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, wow, I'm like, might have a shot to play here. Yeah. And then it was, and then, so the starters were... Mark Abbott, yeah, Abbo, the lad. Right. Blade was playing lock, and Vaya was the third. So, yeah, first few games, um, Abbo was starting and killing it. Mm. And, you know, Blade, he's going to be Blade, just he was killing it too. So, you know, we had that, we got pumped from the Brumbies and that year, remember that? Yeah, first round, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we were pretty, like, first few rounds we were struggling and then, but Abbe was playing 80s just a few weeks in a row and then they did the old give him a rest week ones and and yeah, so me and Vaya got the start. True. And, and then was that? Yeah, it was the old, you know, have a rest week and then <laughs> <laughs> no, these guys are starting now. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was, that was pretty cool because me and Vaya were both rookies mm. And then yeah, we ended up starting every game. I remember I just I just wanted to play well, ten games because that's what you needed as a wider squad to get, the get that bonus. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was like playing injured, just just hacking it. Yeah, because I wanted I needed that ten. Just oh, mm. times were hard, eh? <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, all of us, like all of us, wider squad, eh? We're always checking. Yeah. Like, bro, how many, how many games are you on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was me, Jamison, um, Willis. Mate, you would have you all got there, eh? Because you, you guys all played a massive part. Yeah, yeah, we did. 
we all we all ended up getting a bonus and we were, we were so happy and then yeah so yeah it was bro that was a special year 2016 mm. we i don't know what it was it was just kind of i feel like everyone had a bit of a chip on their shoulder uh, everyone as individuals had you know different things they were playing for and i don't know just collectively it, it clicked and yeah we just went on that run and and ended up winning so yeah that was a special year and yeah special for myself just because i felt like i got that validation that you know i'd been seeking as a rugby player just and just that you know knowing for myself that yes i can i can play at this level and i can play well so yeah that was a that was a special year for me was your old man um what was he like watching your games and stuff? Was he always, you know how you said he was like rough yeah. um, as a young fella. Was he the same all yeah. the way through your um, professional career as well? Nah, so yeah, that was kind of more when I was young. Is when he kind of, that's when he was talking, like, used to do the old run the straight challenge with me. Mm. But yeah, as we kind of grew apart, as I got a bit older, so I didn't really see much of him from, yeah, maybe high school. Oh, true. And yeah, we just kind of fell out of contact. So, but yeah, I know that he he used to watch my games, and yeah, that was part of my yeah. I had those kind of those father issues, so I was always trying to become what you know. I know he he was trying to create, and you know, I just mm. that was my sort of mindset was you know I'm just gonna go out here and be a grub because. You know, I want my I hope my dad's watching. Yeah, yeah, he can, he'll he'll see this. So, yeah, I know that I got told that he he did he did watch all my games because he he passed away last year. Oh, true. Yeah, and you know that was that was tough to deal with because you know we had we never really got to chop it up and and like you know piece it out. Mm. But yeah, just talking with you know his his new missus and that. And I I found out that he had all my games recorded mm. on on my sky and so he was he was proud of me which was yeah it was it's not the same as you know making peace and because you know everyone just wants wants a relationship with their father but mm. yeah that was quite quite a tough thing and yeah that's why yeah I think I always struggled with like, older men you know having authority over me because. And like telling me what to do, so mm. you know, I was always kind of. It took a lot for for me to trust trust coaches like older men, and that's why that's why I was so close with um, Richard Watt Waddy because mm. he he like took the time to you know understand me as a person and mm. just yeah showed a bit of empathy and just gave me time and. It built my trust, so yeah, that's why I would have done anything for Wadi. Yeah, man, that's cool. It is so mm. it is so powerful way for coaches to yeah, yeah, connect yeah. on that deeper level. And is that sort of where your lack of conditioning, like you spoke about before, hated being told yeah. by trainers what to do or that you had to get to this line at that so, certain point? Or was that yeah. all part of it as well? Bro, I don't think it was that that side effect of the training. It was more the like the rugby side of things, yeah. But yeah, the the fitness was just 
I don't know. I managed to, after years to just you know start hitting a seventeen one, seventeen two. So that was, that was just just good enough. So yeah, pass. But yeah, it was just I don't know. I don't know. I just like a lot of people that are more uh, bigger boys or you know power athletes mm. struggle with with yo yos or yeah. or broncos. So. Yeah. yeah, I was. I ended up having to like shred down to. Like I don't know, I was I was playing real light just to get just to get that seventeen. Yo yo, so. Yeah. Fucking yo yo, eh? Right, there's like, that's sort of one thing I always remember about you is like you were so chilled, so cruisy off the field, but I don't think I ever met a player who had the biggest like flick of the switch when they crossed that line and played like um, you like in the German stuff, you were just chilled. You, you could tell you didn't really care about lifting weights, but once you got onto that field, man, like you said, you, you just transformed into some like mad warrior who could just kill people and fold people. Uh, I think, yeah, that was, yeah. As soon as I like got into game situations, I don't know. I just used to, flick the switch and just take out you know all the trauma from my life out on, on the opposition mm. was, I don't know it's pretty toxic but I just you know I just used to like, enjoy just being you know grub like just you know smashing people and so yeah I enjoyed that I could you know just be chilled off the field and then once I got on there I knew there was a job to do. So you did two more years at the Canes, and then you ended, decided to head over to Worcester. Um, yeah. What was that? What was the reason behind that move? Uh, money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Yeah. I just. Yeah. Super Rugby was, you know, it was good. I, I loved it. I, I wanted to stay at the Canes, but you know when they're when you're getting offers that you know double or triple what you're on yeah it's hard to say no especially you know I wanted to get some financial backing and you know set myself up so I was at a good age still still quite young so I could I could demand a a decent contract because of that Mm. and yeah Worcester came to the table I remember I was it was ended up being Worcester or the the Scarlets, oh, or the yeah. two that, yeah. But then, yeah, I just, uh, I just ended up yeah wanting to play in the English Premiership because I had just gone on that Barbarians tour and and we stayed in England and oh, in London right. and and yeah, I just I loved it over in in England and just wanted to be, you know, around that that sort of. So yeah, moved to Worcester, and yeah, we were we struggled there. We were uh, kind of like yeah, similar to like when you were at um, Irish, Irish. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, we we're a kind of fringe prem team. <laughs> yeah, like you know, at the start of the season, it's you know we'll make a statement, and then this is going to be the year that they sh- we show that Worcester is here to stay and then you know halfway through the season we're fucking calculating how to stay up in the prem how many bonus points we need so 
so yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was tough because, you know, we weren't one of those, you know, big traditional English clubs. Mm. But yeah, well, we had some good players and good young players and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing with, with some of the people I played with there. Um, but yeah, we just, we couldn't get it together on, on field. Yeah. And yeah, we'll just, I remember we were, we were like those random teams that would, we will randomly beat Saracens and then get get pumped by Newcastle at home the yeah. next week. So it's like, yeah. you never really knew how, like, what Worcester was going to show up. So, yeah, we were just so inconsistent. But uh, there, was, there was a lot of guns in that team and a lot of the young boys, you know, they were just freaks, like mm. some of the 18, 19-year-olds coming through, so... Yeah, it was, it was nice to like, mentor some of them and and play experienced English rugby. How was your footy over there? Did you find the um, style of rugby suited your game? Yeah, because I didn't have to be as fit over there. Yeah. So I kind of could revert back to my natural body size and still still get around fine. So, yeah, I think it did it did suit me a bit more. And but bro, it's quite, it's a hard competition, eh? Just mm. it's not as expansive, but bro, the the tight play and and defending long phases is it's it's hard. Every week is a is a hard game in the prem. Mate, tough to be a forward, I reckon. Like, what was yeah, your like? Yeah. Were you guys heaps of mauling and heaps of set piece during the yeah. week? You would have been loving it. <laughs> no. Just the astroturf was the issue. Oh, uh, true, yeah, yeah. yeah so then the knees were were and hips go when you're doing a hundred lineups a week, <laughs> and fucking props are just dropping you. Yeah. So yeah, everyone like had had knee, ankle, hip problems, mm. and yeah, I don't know, just. Hey, dude, you don't like AstroTurf, say it's like it must nah. not be good for your hips too. Nah, they were no good old, for my hip. Yeah, because all of Matt Brooks' work was done for nothing. <laughs> hey, after playing on that, what a surgeon, eh? What a surgeon! <laughs> Shout out to Matt Brooks for fixing yeah. your hips. Oh. <laughs> and then obviously the big incident, Fourth of January. Yeah, uh, man, talk me through this like um, life-changing neck injury, but yeah. What do you remember about the whole incident? Well, I just so we were playing series away in London, so yeah, it was just I was on the bench and I, you know, it was we were kind of we were tanking that game to be honest. Like, you know, we just I wasn't meant to play that game, and they just brought me down, sit on the bench, and they said, you know, we're not really going to put you on, so. Ah, then uh, we were getting pumped, and they decided to chuck me on to, you know, try and restore some pride. And my first carry, uh, I just, you know, I got it, and we were, because we were playing the old set up the box kick from mm. everywhere ones, and we were on like halfway, and but we were setting up a box kick, eh? So I took the carry, and just as soon as I I made contact, you know, I think I got. A hip to my my head, hip to the top of the head, and just whiplash back. And yeah, as soon as it it connected, my whole body just shut down. 
So, True. but it was it was scary. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I was kind of, and I was I was laying on my front. So, and the ball was underneath me. So, but I was just you know limp, and they called they stopped the game, and I was like kind of trying to stay calm, and but I I knew it, I just knew that it was what City had. I just I don't know what it was, but I was like, oh shit. This must be, you know, what happened to City has just happened to me. Far out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just they had to, it took like an hour. They had to like, turn me over, obviously, without damaging my neck further, mm. get me on the stretcher. And I was starting to, like, you know, be calm. And then I didn't realize like, when you injure your spinal cord, like everything below is affected, like even internally. So yeah, I started panicking when I when I stopped I stopped breathing, eh? So Oh really? Because my yeah, my lung wasn't wasn't functioning. So I stopped breathing and fuck started panicking. They had to get me on the oxygen and yeah, I was like kinda in and out of consciousness just because I couldn't I couldn't really breathe. Oh, yeah. So that that was pretty that was scary, it's just kinda gasping for breath and that. Mm. And then, yeah, I just knew it was, well, it was tough times ahead because uh, I could just tell. And then, you know, they got me in the hospital. Just, I was lucky it was in London because I went to one of the best hospitals, that St. Mary's Hospital in London. And then got, had to, I don't know, do all the tests and all that. Mm. And, yeah, they saw, like, all the damage I had done to my neck. But I had to, Go on those MRI machines. I was in there for like three hours for a scan. Yeah. What's the pain like at this time? Is this like excruciating pain? Nah, the pain kind of kicked in when I when I got to the hospital. Oh yeah. So just like when it first happened, nah, I think just numb. Yeah, yeah, and then that's then once I got to the hospital a few hours later, that's when I started getting the neuropathic, like. It was kind of like electric electricity through my body. Oh yeah, uh, fire and ice, and it was just unbearable. Eh? Oh, so yeah. yeah, just from there, they were they were. I was in um, what's it called ICU mm. for a couple of weeks, and and then they decided to go in and do my do my surgery on my neck and try and stabilize it. And yeah, that was, I think it was like 10 hours or something they spent in there. And then, yeah, what a, I woke up just in so much pain and I panicked when I woke up from surgery because cause they, what they do is they, they cut through your, your neck from the front oh. and they kind of move your vocal cords and then operate on your vertebrae through there. So, fuck, it was gnarly, eh? Nasty. So, yeah, so... Yeah, after that surgery, I couldn't eat or drink, and I couldn't talk for like a month because they damaged my my vocal cords when when they when they were doing surgery. Yeah. So I just yeah, so that was tough because fuck, I was like lying there on my back, paralyzed. Yeah, can't can't eat, can't drink, can't talk. So can't you know signal out to the nurse. Fully helpless. How did you communicate? You just couldn't. Yeah, just kind of like I had, I could, you know, I had a bit of a, you know, 
like a Darren Lockyer voice. So oh, yeah. I could kind of, you know, <laughs> give them a couple of words here and there. Yeah. But yeah, it took a while to get my voice back. And yeah, I remember just losing it at, at this doctor, eh? Because they put me on a, a morphine morphine pump you know you like mm. press it every time that you mm. you need need it and he just got me all set up like this cocky ass doctor he's like got me set up and he was like yeah mate you know whenever you're in pain discomfort you know you just squeeze this here and he showed me and and you know the pain relief will come and then i just looked at him i was like bro i fucking I'm fucking paralyzed bro i can't fucking push anything <laughs> and he was just he just like bro, heaps of that sort of stuff, you know. They'll just forget that I'm, I can't move anything. Yeah. So, but that was, bro, that was so traumatic being in hospital those for that first month and a half, because they had to, they had to turn me every two hours, because otherwise you'll get you no know, pressure sores and all that. So just no, no real sleep or, or anything, just. Just lying there, counting the the dots and the lines on the roof, and yeah, it was just bro, it was tough. And then they were trying me on all these different different medications for my pain because nothing was doing anything. And yeah, they ended up getting me on like all the hard stuff like morphine, mm. fentanyl, and then bro, I, I was on ketamine for a couple of weeks. What's that? That horse tranquilizer stuff. Yeah, so I was like, bro, just laxing in the K hole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, even though I was like, it was just kind of buzzing me out yeah. when I was in hospital, but pain wise, still had no effect. Yeah. Man, so crazy. So that was, that was a struggle. Mm. Yeah. But the thing that helped and why the nurses ended up, because they ended up bending the rules for me and allowing me to have like, 20 plus visitors because the nurses and the doctors noticed that when the boys will come through to the hospital and they were chatting and like making me laugh yeah. and you know just fucking like playing around with my arms and yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be like requesting pain meds and like it would almost distract me yeah it's so cool laughter truly is the the best medicine like they say eh? yeah that's that's cool and and did you often think about before you were talking about like you know you weren't supposed to even get on the field yeah. you weren't supposed to go to that game you weren't supposed to play did, did were you thinking about that as you lay there do you still think about it yeah. now like what if like why why yeah. did why they put me on I try I try not to because I don't want to you know those kind of thoughts will eat you up forever and yeah you know it is what it is it happens so. You know, no one's got a time machine, so mm. I can't dwell on, on thoughts like that, those what-ifs. I just, yeah, early on I just, you know, made the decision, yep, it happened. Now I need, these are the cards I've been dealt, and, mm. you know, how I respond is is what matters now. And when they told you, obviously they told you for the first time that you're potentially wheelchair-bound wheelchair for um, life, um, yeah. What are you thinking? What are you feeling at those <laughs> times? Well, I just, I, I just ignored it because we had this big meeting with the doctors and all the surgeons, and they, you know, sat 
oh, I, was, I was already lying down, but they sat them down and, and they said, you know, Michael's going to be, you know, in a wheelchair or like electric wheelchair and will need, you know, 24 hour assistance for the rest of his life. And but they're, they're obviously upset and all that. But I know I just kind of, I just, a bit of it was like I was in denial, but I, you know, I just, my wife always laughs about it because like, when they said, you know, serious as conversation and they're like, you know, Michael, you're going to be in a wheelchair for life and so prepare to need care for the rest of your life. And bro, I just, I just looked at the doctor and I go, I go, nah, gee. And he kept like, <laughs> he goes, he goes, no, your spinal cord is, is damaged, you're, you're quadrupedic. And I go, nah, gee, not me. Cause like, I, I was on, like, I was on the morphine and I was like, nah, gee. I just, everything they said, I was going, nah, gee, that's not me. Well, you don't know me. And that was kind of my mindset, like, throughout the whole thing. It's like, nah, gee, not me, eh? Yeah. So, so I was just, you know, I just knew, like, I don't know, there was something just, I just refused to believe it. Mm. And I was like, nah, that's not me. I'm like, fuck, I don't want that. Mm. And then, yeah, I remember it was, I was just kind of, I used to, like, try and meditate and when I was lying there paralyzing, I'll just try and focus and like visualize like the, the brain signals that I, I need to, to move my fingers or toes. And I'll just sit there for hours just like visualizing, you know, this my spinal cord and like the messages getting sent all the way to my, my hands. Mm. And I, but it was powerful stuff, eh? And, and then, you know, one day I was off I was with my wife and I just asked her to hold my hand up so I could see it. So she was holding my hand and I was just kinda of did the whole focus and, and visualize myself moving. And then like my my finger started to flicker a little bit. And bro, that's all I needed, eh? It was that little bit of hope and I was like, Yeah. Wow. I was like, Fuck these doctors, I'm on. I'm yeah. gonna walk. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you felt your finger flick, you knew. You yeah, yeah. I was like, bro, I was like, fuck, that's all the hope I need. Like, it was a tiny bit of hope, but I just clung on to that hope wow. for dear life and I just ran off. I was like, yeah, gee, I was, that's why I was like, I was cocky after that. Eh? I was like, uh, like, see, I told these doctors, not me, not me, G. Yeah. See my finger flickering, I'm yeah. on. I was like, bro, see, quadriplegic, not even, yeah. G. If I, yeah, so I was, fuck, it was, and that's kind of when I started just, I just blocked everything out and like just focused on rehab mm. and then, you know, the finger moved, that kind of progressed into, you know, being able to move my arm, move my toe, that kind of just kept progressing mm. and, you know, I'll just consciously try and move everything and. Yeah, I remember, bro. The thing is, when I first got that, got that, um, that hand moving, bro, I made my nurse like stand there like the whole night, no sleep. Uh, every five minutes, I'll show me my hand, and I'll just like make sure that I could still move it. Oh, if I was yeah. scared, if I went to sleep, that that I wake up and I couldn't move that finger. Uh, right. So just sleepless nights, 
and yeah, so I just focused on trying to move and mm. but it was like bro, you wouldn't wish it upon your worst enemy, eh? What I went through is mm. just the pain and like how tough mentally it was, but I just I just dedicated my whole life, my whole being to just rehabbing and because I'm, you know, I'm fighting for quality of life. Mm. I'm not, you know, I'm f- it's different now. I'm not rehabbing to get back on the field. It's mm. it's rehab for, you know, what life's going to look like. And that's that's a, you know, it's a strong motivating factor. And, and yeah, it just kind of drove me every day. I was just grinding because I think after a month and a half at that hospital, I went to the rehabilitation unit. It was just outside of... Um, outside of London mm. and yeah from there I was just so six hours a day I'll put in work just all different types of things occupational therapy physio hydrotherapy just so six hours every day and like I was just so determined mm. I was like I'm, like I'm proud of myself for how I just you know blocked everything out and and just fucking, bro, I just sensed it and like my rehab was, it was crazy. Uh, the, the the physios and occupational therapists and doctors, they, they just said they've never seen anything like it. Like just the way I was, how driven I was to, to walk and, mm. you know, be independent. So, yeah, I still keep in contact with all my like, physios and that to this day and, no, they always tell me like you're the type of patient is you're the type of patient you know I'm the type of patient is why they they got into the their line of work and seeing stories mm. like mine because bro there was like a there was like a 7% chance that I would you know move again so it was it was against all odds and you know a bit of it was a bit of it was luck you know the spinal cord might have been able to get some signals down mm. but uh, I put a lot of it down to just grit and just just being tough like mm. fuck like but I reckon I'm the toughest person I know eh just mm. after going through that right and yeah it was just so yeah six hours for so I was in hospital all up six six months and that was that was during COVID too, so a lot of the time I was just in there by myself, no visitors, mm. and well, just every day, like clockwork, and six hours a day, every day, and yeah, it was it was it was tough, but yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that I you know put in that work because like today I'm thanking mm. thanking myself for just knuckling down and, and putting in their work right, it's so cool to hear I'm, I was getting goosebumps <laughs> half basically through that whole the whole way you're speaking there man that is so crazy so cool to hear um, your determination mate you should be so proud of what you've done but you, you sort of mentioned your uh, mental health and how, how you're thinking on the yeah. on the table and stuff you must have had some bad days um, some yeah. setbacks where did it get to? How did you stay so driven? Were there days where you just felt like you wanted to 
give up or where'd you yeah. get to? What was the worst days like? Oh, so I reckon those six months, like my mental health, I knew, I knew that it was something I was, I was, it was affecting me a lot, but mm. I just chose not to acknowledge my mental health during that period. And I don't know, it was like at the time, I, I think I just needed to, that was my mentality was, oh, I'll just deal with the mental health stuff later because mm. I need to just focus on just grinding because the more like you grind in that period, the more, you know, movement you'll get back and the quality of life will be, will be improved. So it's not until I left hospital and went back to my like normal life is when, you know, all the depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, that stuff started to really affect me and, you know, I'm, I'm still in, I'm still in therapy, but it's just going to be a, an ongoing thing because, yeah, especially when I, when I moved back to, to Auckland from the UK is when, you know, it's when it really started affecting me. I was having, I was just depressed and like had anxiety going places and you know the PTSD is like something that's yeah it just kind of sneaks up on you eh like just get random flashbacks to to being on the field or being in hospital and then you know your mind can't tell if it's if it's really happening or not and you know so you just feel like you're back in that moment and it's real it's real tough so yeah that's why when I got back to Auckland, I, me and my wife, because we were both like struggling mentally, it was just a big adjustment to life, and and Auckland just wasn't the place for us to do it, like to to find find my feet again, and you know get used to this new body, this new life. So, yeah, both our therapists recommended, you know, we like we needed a change of lifestyle to help with like my mental health both of our mental health so we just yeah we made the dramatic lifestyle change and moved here which has been Mm. you know a place that i feel like i've finally been able to you know get some healing in and you know just just like have some time to myself to breathe because everything was just so overwhelming coming out of hospital i'm trying to like figure out what what my new normal is Mm. and it's just you know it was too too busy and yeah i just would get overwhelmed and just just chill at home whereas over here i'm out of the house more and the sun the sun does a lot for your mental health yeah but yeah that's why i just that's why i kind of i went off the grid a bit Mm. was just i had to focus on put my mental health first um yeah that's why yeah sorry right didn't no. reply to you for about a good year <laughs> but yeah i just i just had to it was tough because you know i felt like i was being uh being a bad bad friend to people and mm. bad family but but i had to just look after myself and in, in, in that yeah, year true. and in yeah. that moment because yeah i just wasn't feeling feeling good at all mm. and yeah, so 
moving here to the Cook Islands, yeah, I love this. I love this place now, and and it is a second home that has allowed me to to heal and just you know figure out what life's gonna look like mm. post injury, and yeah, just you know I feel like there's there's not a lot of pressure here, which is something that is a big burden lifted. Mm. You know, I just go about my my day at my own pace, and you know. Everything kind of moves at a slow pace, which is perfect for me. All right, that's that's so cool. And you, like you mentioned, your mental health, and during all this time, you've also got the added, I guess, pressure or um, unnecessary pressure coming from Worcester at the time yeah. around how the whole who's going to pay for your treatment and all this sort of stuff. How, how much did this weigh on you? Yeah, that was big, especially like they didn't pay my bill and so they paid four weeks of my stay and then the rest of my stay was so maybe three or four months of the stay was was unpaid for and you know I started getting the bills from the hospital which was like stressful at the time because I'm you know just trying to focus on rehab and then I'm like oh shit like hundreds of thousands of dollars who's paying for this yeah yeah and then yeah so and it, it didn't get paid and like it never got paid i was just lucky that the hospital i was at you know royal the royal buckinghamshire hospital in aylesbury they just like, did me a solid pretty much and sure you know yeah because i was you know uh the hospital director i was i was we all became quite close during that COVID period because we were all locked in. Mm. And he he just did me a solid. So I was so grateful for that. But yeah, I was just, I was gutted because I remember I, I wrote a tweet, like just, but I was a little bit cut. But, <laughs> but I, I was half cut. But I wrote a tweet and I was like, oh, hopefully Worcester pay my hospital bills this year. And but they they didn't, and then they put out the statement, just gaslighting me, just saying, "Oh, you know, this and that," saying just pretty much making me look like a liar. Mm. So, you know, it's sad that all this stuff has come out now and the clubs went under. But I'm kind of I'm kind of glad it did happen because, you know, um, I try to be a person that I live with integrity and honesty and. Mm. You know, I was keeping it a hundred, and 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 they made me out to look like a liar. So mm. when everything came to light, I was, I I knew it would eventually come, but but yeah, it was just it was quite you know relieving because it was quite relieving because I I knew that yes I was like and people knew like yeah he actually was telling the truth. Right, that is that's crazy. So when you found out that Worcester was no longer a club and there's no surprises for you just the way it was run is is that sort of how you felt yeah as a playing group we kind of you could you could see the the cracks when they changed ownership because mm. we had this old owner when i first got there his name was Cecil Duckworth and he was just he was like the godfather he was a don oh, yeah. yeah just loved the club it was like his baby had time for all the boys now he'll He'll pull up to all our trains, you know, shake everyone's hand. Mm. And he just looked after looked after the club and looked after us and then Yeah, these these two owners came in and you know, they were they were they were quite arrogant. Like 
the way they talked and you know the way they walked around and you know all the you, know, you could tell just things weren't weren't going right at the club and yeah especially during that covid period eh? cuz it just yeah yeah i don't want to i don't really want to you know dog the club mm. cuz bro yeah bro like like i loved it that Worcester and mm. yeah and like i'm gutted that that happened but yeah that was it was a long time coming and i'm gutted that it that it did happen cuz you know this there's no club in the prem now and you know Worcester's lovely town and we had the best supporters so i'm just mm. feeling for all the boys you know all the a lot of the players you know, out of pocket they just you know had multi-year deals and you know they just stopped getting paid so yeah. you know they owed hundreds of thousands of dollars so you know a lot of people have been you know lives have been changed through you know whatever the dealings at Worcester were and and yeah that's the sad thing because you know it was such a good club Mm, it is sad it's a shame to see and Wasp obviously as well mm, we went down yeah, but yeah. seemed to be coming back but do you yeah, have yeah. any sort of hard feelings against rugby do you how do you uh, how do you view rugby now do you watch it do you what's, yeah. what's your thoughts on the game I'm not like a rugby nut or anything but no. you know, I'll, I'll watch a few highlights here and there still you know keep track of you know old mates that are playing mm. see if they see how they're playing and, and doing but yeah, it's a it's a tough one because, you know, rugby gave me everything, but it also you know, took away everything. So, yeah. you know, it's like it's a tough one to process because you know I wouldn't be the person I am without rugby. But also the game is, you know, it's it took it took away a lot, and you know my body's for life. So, mm. like playing rugby is is going to a, whatever I did during my career and that injury was going to affect me for the rest of my life so mm. yeah that's tough hard eh? to answer that one mm. yeah and so like one of the videos that I remember you posting where um, made me laugh especially early on was one of the ones where you were I guess just starting to walk um, and <laughs> you have your big fall um, talk yeah. to me about that and was that sort of what the recovery yeah. process was like yeah, no, it was just because I was always trying to push the boundary and my yeah. physios, like I was botting it just, <laughs> I always try and do more than I could. Yeah. And so I was walking, I got to a point where I could walk with two crutches. Oh, uh, yeah. And then the physio was like, Mike, we'll keep you on two crutches. I want you to get used to this. Mm. And then but just me being bots, just, I said, <laughs> Nah, gee. <laughs> one crutch, I reckon I can do it. Ryan, one crutch, and he was like, "Oh," and then he was like, "No, nah, I don't, I don't want you to do that." I was like, "No, nah, I'm doing it." Just yeah, not. I would, I wasn't hearing anyone. Eh, just I was just so determined. <laughs> and then, so that's why, I'm, that's why I was getting filmed because I was like, I was so confident that I could do it. Yeah, I was like, babe film this i'm watch this one crutch <laughs> started walking i was like going well and then you know about five steps in just tripped up fell on my face like <laughs> the physio tried to catch me and i like bumped him off and <laughs> we were just a ruck on the floor <laughs> and bro everyone like because everyone in the rehab center was watching it i was so embarrassed bro <laughs> 
They're like, fuck. Because all the other patients were like, I could tell they wanted to laugh at it. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so that was like, bro, that was, that was a, that was the joke of the hospital for a few weeks there. It's like, bro, should have listened to the physio. <laughs> Did that do any damage, those sort of falls, or is it, nah, it's just, it's all good? Nah. Yeah, it's kind of, bro, made a career out of falling on the ground. So Yeah, true. It just kind of felt, yeah, didn't feel like anything. Yeah. And was there anything yeah. that, like, when you, obviously you can't walk, but, um, you're also not playing the game anymore. Does, was there anything that you missed about, you know, guys talk about how hard it is when they retire, but yours is like, yours is the ultimate. Yeah. You're forced to retire. You can't move. Um, yeah. Did you miss anything about the game or what, what parts of the game did you miss? Um, yeah, I, I do. I've started missing it a lot, actually. It's just just being around mates every day. That's, that's, that's the that camaraderie is what I miss a lot. Yeah. And just, you know... We all just hang around. Tuesday nights are always fun. Toxic Tuesdays. <laughs> Toxic <laughs> And, yeah, but even just you know, being able to, you know, express myself using my body, mm. it's hard not being able to do that and, you know, letting frustration out through playing the game of rugby, mm. not having that. It's kind of trying to find other ways to... Uh, you know cope with like stressful times and mm. you know stress in your life because you can't just go hit a ruck now yeah kind of you know have to use other avenues to to de-stress what do you use but i like love i just love going into the ocean over here mm. so every day i'm in the i'm in the water and yeah, just I just think it's healing for me, because mm. being in the water, I can I can move normally, and you know I don't have to worry about you know balancing or oh true or trying to yeah so so can you swim? Yeah, yeah, I can swim and you know I can oh, nearly pretty much run like I can run in water. So yeah, with like a life jacket or just. Not, with nothing no, to just, help you float. Nah, I could just just oh. swim, bro. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, so yeah, I like I like being in in the ocean and, and water because yeah, because I feel you know almost free free from my body and able to to do things with minimal effort rather than mm. having to consciously think of every movement. Mm, mate, swimming. That's it. Paralympics. Bro. Hey. <laughs> bro, I, bro, that's a low-key goal of mine, eh? Just, Is it? Yeah, I thought no, it not, might sw- be. not swimming, but... Nah, but yeah. go there. I'd like to mm. find an event that, you know, I could excel at and just give yeah. it a crack, but, yeah, it's hard over here. I'd have to come back to New Zealand for a little bit, which, yeah, I want to I want to look at doing this year, maybe just to give some different para sports a go and see... Mm. See what I'm, what I'm good at, because, um, like, injury aside, I'm still, like, like you know, pretty, pretty strong for like quadriplegic, eh? and yeah. Yeah, I'd love to just, you know, train towards something rather than, you know, I'm just rehabbing, you know, just yeah. for, just for the sake of it. I'd, I'd like, like to have a goal. Yeah. yeah. 
Mate, that'd be cool. What have you looked into any sports? Yeah, yeah, like, that you could do. So I'm interested in, you know, throwing, because I'd be in a seated ah, yeah. seated throw or a oh yeah, or like a you know seated shot put or discus, even True. even cycling like yeah, because I can I can ride a bike and I'm still pretty decent on a watt bike. So surf to peak all over. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I want redemption. <laughs> yeah, so I I'd like to to give it a go, but you know, it's, oh, cool it's just a bit be? of admin at the moment. Yeah. yeah so this year I'll I'm be. looking to plan once I've settled in. Oh, mate, you got plenty of time on your side. How old are you now? Are you 30? Yeah, just turned 30. Just so. turned 30, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, life life starts at thirty, they reckon. So. Yeah, that's it. Mate. I hope that's How not good. a yarn. <laughs> but as always, we've gone to our Instagram for some questions, and mate, a lot of those guys <laughs> you've mentioned have come in here, uh, come up trumps with some questions. So we'll we'll roll through this before we finish. But man, yeah. what a podcast it's been. Okay, first question: Ask him if he is the toughest quadriplegic. <laughs> Bro, who asked that? <laughs> that sounds like a. Well, that sounds like a. Is, can I guess? Yep, have a guess. Bro, first, first of all, yes is the answer. <laughs> but that's 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 tady. That's a tady question. Eh? <laughs> it is, mate. You're right on. You know the listeners. That is a question from him, and yes, the answer is well by miles, eh? Yeah, mate. Built different, brother. Okay, next one. Next question is. Who was your favourite teammate to play alongside? Favourite teammate? Bro, there's a few. Yeah, I can't really say one, but yeah. guys like Ricky Riccatelli, he was my bestie in Welly. Mm. He's a lad. Um, Tongan Bear. Yeah. Sam Losi. Oh, lads. Loved, loved Vince Asso. Yeah. Milani. Yeah. Milani Nano. Yeah. He was he was a good dude in Worcester. Yeah, Bryce Heem. Bryce Heem was a was a lad, mate. Um, and yeah, I had a good friend over at Worcester, Joe Tuffetti. He's a hooker for for the USA team. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot. I've made a lot of good friends through yeah. rugby, and and yeah. So I, that was what I enjoyed the most was having those those strong friendships. Yeah. It is the coolest part of the game, eh? The connections and the people you meet along the journey, and especially when you play over in different um, countries and stuff, eh? You experience all these um, yeah. different cultures, and you meet all these different people and uh, connections you keep for the rest of your life, which is so cool. Facts. Mm, okay, next one. How important is Carver Club? This must be one of your Raro mates. <laughs> ah, Carver Club. Yes, so just something that started and. It's just been a, it's kind of replaced my toxic Tuesday, <laughs> which was a which was a big void in my life. <laughs> so, just a few, just a few local boys from around the island, and I was lucky enough to be invited in, and 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 you know they've they've shown me love and shown me around the island and kind of given me that bit of local knowledge which which you need when you're moving to mm. to a new country. So yeah, that's that's an important part of my my week now, and and it's yeah, it helps a lot with you know mental health and that. Mm. Just on the covers, just chopping it up, having some 
having some yarns and mm. yeah so yeah those are my boys over here and uh, i love them mm, how good this guy might one of them might have asked this question too ask him about his only friend <laughs> yeah bro. Uh, that's my best mate over here eh? oh, true. shout out to Rekorangi shout out to Rekorangi Allison right, he's um he's Tamati's first cousin eh? oh is he oh true Tamati Allison oh, yeah 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 lad. he must be so a he lad he loves it yeah he's a lad oh good stuff okay this one's also from must be another inside joke all of these um, why does everyone call you a joke <laughs> <laughs> you'll guess this one too nah <laughs> Who is that, bro? <laughs> is that a hala hola or something? Nah, Yopu. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, that's just, I don't know. Me and Yopu just used to, a few inside jokes. I, was, I used to call him a joke. Oh, he used to call me a joke. I'll call him Four Eyes. <laughs> so, just a bit of banter, eh? I miss that guy. Eh? Yeah, yeah, he's a lad. Okay, next one. Who was the best mafia at the Stags and were you mafia? Ah, bro, do you know a guy named Michael Stewart? He's down in Christchurch. Oh. He's a he's a he yeah. um yeah. So he played with me in South in Southland, and he was a qualified lawyer, and he just used to eat it up at at mafia, mm. just you know making us doubt our own, <laughs> making us believe that you know we're not even mafia, but he had a way with words that would you know. Maybe I am mafia. <laughs> so yeah, that Michael Stewart is one of the all-time mafia greats. Oh, true lawyers. Yeah, I, I could imagine them being good at that. Okay, next one. Favorite story from the barbarians. We didn't even get to touch on your barbarians um, times, but <laughs> oh, mate, that would have been good times. You were playing with like what Reggie, Brad Shields, yeah, a few other lads. So yeah, Milani, um, Milani. yeah, Milani was there. Now we had a cool crew. But just just spending that time with Brad was special, eh? Because I was his roomie the whole time. Oh yeah. So you know, coming from you know at the Canes where he was, you know, he had to be the he had to be the you know enforcer of rules and mm. kind of hold the boys all accountable. <sighs> you know, touring with Brad as a out of that environment as a as a barbarian, <laughs> it was just. I just love seeing that side of him, man. <laughs> a different player. He took me under his wing that tour. I just, fuck, he just, plus 100 respect off that tour. He's just a, <laughs> such a good man, eh? And he just looked after me. And, yeah. Yeah, but, bro, we had some funny, funny times with Brad because, yeah, we just, you know, it's a lot of drinking on the Barbarians tour. And we just mm. had some good nights. And I remember one of the last nights we've, we just we missed the bus and you know we were just us two were the last last men standing like just I don't know silly things but bro looking yeah. back now fuck that was funny yeah yeah and did you you play against South Africa was it yeah yeah we it was crazy because we like did no training or anything and then we we went and drew with the Springboks crazy yeah it does it was just everyone just flicked flicked the switch and we were just just balling that game eh. You obviously were pretty good at that, like being able to just flick that switch. So you're probably yeah. like the perfect barbars man, like used to a toxic Tuesday being able to flick a switch, no training. Yeah. No, nah, it was, it kind of just made you like realize, you know, rugby's, it's, it's, you don't have to, 
you know, train like a madman during the week and, you know, you can kind of get away with, you know, being a bit more relaxed about things and, you know, when you're relaxed, you you sometimes tend to play better, which is true for a lot of people. So, uh, Barbarians was, that was a fun tour. We, yeah, we ended up, we, we ended up beating Fiji, we beat Czech Republic and we drew off Springboks and it was just all around, you know, we had fun. Yeah, it's, there's something in that, eh? it's crazy how mm. well the Barbars go yeah. against international teams. Yeah, just uh, when you're having fun. Pissing yeah. up and like in a good in a good headspace, eh? Yeah, it just brings that sort of enjoyment back, which is mm. huge. Mm. Mate, crazy. Okay, next one. Two left. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson he has learnt? What he wish he knew at the start of his career? Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know. Just, just not doubting your own ability, mm. and you know, that's only one coach's opinion. And a lot of players, you know, once they they don't make a few teams or, or, or you know, they're not they're not progressing in their career. They they start to believe that, and yeah, even I started to believe that. So, you know, just believing in yourself and backing yourself, and yeah, and you know, if you keep stay consistent and just keep mm. keep training, keep knocking on that door, it's it's gonna bust down eventually. So, yeah, that's me. Just you know, self belief is huge, and just don't lose that. Mm, mate, I love that, and that yeah. that's that's like. Very much like this question. I always ask this question at the end of every episode. Best yeah. piece of advice for a Woodlad listener. You may have given a sneak peek already, or you might even have yeah. something new for us. Uh, advice for a Woodlad listener. Um, bro, you know what? My advice is, is just, bro, don't take, your, don't take your body for granted. Don't take your able body for granted. Because, mm. you know... You only get one body, so so look after it. And you know, if you if you're looking for a reason, like me, I've lost, I've mm. lost my able body, and and I'd kill to get a get my body back, but you know, it's impossible. So, if you have an able body, look after it, because fuck, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Mate, that is yeah. definitely the most powerful. Yeah. Oh, the goosebumps hit me all down my spine again. But get training, mate, it's, Jimmy. It's get training. <laughs> <laughs> How many people take their um, yeah. body for granted? Eh? It's yeah, yeah. it's crazy when you when you've got these things. Um, it's very easy to just you know think it's it's yours and um, you do take it for granted. But like you say, yeah. life, um, your body. All these things can be taken off you at any yeah. moment. So, mate, you're speaking, yeah. you're speaking true facts there, and from <laughs> a person who's who's been through it all. But, mate, what a podcast! Um, I now know why I was so excited to get you on. That was one of the most incredible stories I've heard. Um, so cool to hear it from your side of things, and I'm so proud of you for what you've done. Um, not not just post your injury but leading up to it mate your incredible career and then post post injury what you've done has just um been so amazing and um so awesome to see and seeing seeing you do so well um 
looking strong, looking healthy, looking in a good headspace and yeah. and being willing to come on and, and share your story, which I'm sure so many people get a lot out of. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to following you in the future, um, keeping in touch and hopefully seeing you at the Paralympics um, throwing the discus <laughs> 20 metres further yeah, than everyone else. <laughs> toughest quadriplegic ever, mate. <laughs> uh, nah, thanks for having me, Jimmy. Eh? Um, nah. First podcast I've ever done, so it's mm. glad it was with you. I'll bet, mate. Nah. Pres- yeah. Appreciate you choosing me, yeah, man, because, yeah. um, like I said, it's such a cool story. You've been through it, and uh, yeah, it's awesome seeing where you are now. So, yeah. appreciate you, bro. Bro, can I get some What a Lad merch or what? <laughs> yeah, 100. Next order, we are on. You are the ultimate lad. Right, so. I need it. I need it. <laughs> Next, uh, Paralympics, Give mate. You'll merch. be running with a What a Lad hat on. <laughs> yeah. Bro, first What a Lad athlete, bro. <laughs> nah, I appreciate it, bro. I'll You're mess it up, bro. Nah, good to chat, eh? Well, thanks for listening to the Spates Waterlad podcast. If you've got this far in this episode, well, I'm guessing you enjoyed it as much as I did. So if you did, please do me a massive favour and subscribe to Waterlad on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. And if you want to be a massive lad, go and give me a five-star review. It's a massive boost to the podcast. So grateful for the support and cheers to our mates at Spates for bringing you the episode. (laughs) 